simple fact is you feel responsible for Goose and you have a confidence problem. Now, I'm not going to sit here and blow sunshine up your ass, Lieutenant. A good pilot is compelled to always evaluate what's happened so he can apply what he's learned. Up there, we got to push it. That's our job. It's your option, Lieutenant. All yours. Sorry to bother you on a Sunday sermon. Thank you very much for your time. Ingesting the building blocks of these neurotransmitters that help make your brain healthier, okay? So, I bought a bottle of it, and in typical Ken fashion, it's, you know, take two a day. And I said, well, let's, I'll take six, and then, but right before bed. So he, Joe talked on the podcast that if you take two or three of them right before bed, 11, 12 o'clock, then you fall asleep, you have these yeah. crazy vivid dreams. And he claimed that it's he can do it on on demand. He'll just take three or four of them, and he'll have crazy dreams. So I took six of them, and I did that two or three times over the course of two weeks, and I had legitimately the most vivid, intense dreams I've ever had. Whether it's placebo or not, it something's something's happening in there with this stuff. So were the dreams uh, positive dreams or? Like were they really bad bad trips? No, no, there was no no trippiness. Hard to, it's it's one of those ones where you wake up and you really feel. So one of them was you must have had one of these before where you feel like you've been dreaming for six or seven hours, but it's only been seven or eight minutes of of time. Like Ten seconds. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that just those ones still to this day just oh yeah we can crazy and then the other ones were just like really intense where I would wake up and I would be thinking of the dream. Like I could remember details of a dream where normally I would forget them, you know, five minutes after waking up. Mm. So it's, you you, you would kind of think you take, take this and you feel more alert, right? Like when I hear Joe Rogan talk about it, he talks about like how he's just like super on, he, his brain's like, firing and all these different synapses he's like you know his memory's sharper i think that's kind of bs though because i don't think there's any there's no there's no noticeable effect you can't you don't feel any you don't feel any sharper in the moment there's no buzz there's no body feeling there's there's nothing it's uh, <laughs> i mean it could be okay. sawdust i have uh, but there's something that's happening with those dreams and that was enough to that plus the study they did that does seem pretty legit, even though maybe they could have stacked the deck in their favor. Something's going on there, and um, yeah, I'll so, just try it. I'll, I'll just I'll just try it. Do the uh, Ken Femic special and see if your dreams uh, see if your dreams get messed up. All right, all right, I'm excited. Let's do it. Um, do you want to do a quick uh, the intro to the pod? Oh my gosh, I missed the intro. Past three episodes. Yeah.
Yeah. yeah. yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Pencil Problems, a show where Nick and Kent talk about problems that sound important but aren't. And this is episode Jeez. number 11. Yeah, we've been uh, supposed to do a project review on last pod. Um, and we're not going to do it this one either, but we'll 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 get to it. We'll yeah, we'll get, get to, to it. it. We'll get to it. Sit tight. Yeah, sit yeah. tight. Our five listeners, sit tight. <laughs> so, um, the topic I want to talk about today, like I went to this talk uh, yesterday um, from Michael Lop. He's like the VP of Engineering at Slack, and he wrote this book called like Managing Humans. I've never actually read it. Um, but he just, his talk was about, uh, managing people and how becoming a manager oftentimes, um, it's people who were pretty good at what they were doing before. And then, you know, you're like an engineer and all of a sudden now you're managing like a team of people or something or managing Mm -hmm. people's careers and stuff. Um, but there's one part of it that he brought up that was interesting, which was like, um, People who are in this role, they, no one, there's no formal training in this role, and everyone's just kind of in it, and they're like, oh, suddenly I'm a manager, and I need to be doing manager, manager type things, and no one even really knows what that really means. You just know, like, okay, I'm supposed to be, um, you know, uh, tasking people out, or I'm supposed to be like managing the career. Cool, I have these check-ins with them. Okay, but there, there, there's that aspect of like. I don't, I don't know if you really know, you don't really know what you're doing. And I run into this all the time in my own personal life. It's not even just not knowing what I'm doing, but even when I do know what I'm doing, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And it's just like imposter syndrome that I think um, plagues us all the time. And I, I see it all the time in like every little thing I do, no matter how much I experience I have in something, I still feel like I'm faking it. Do you ever feel that? Every day. Every yeah, day. every day. I think that. And, yeah, go, go on. Yeah, and then I'll chime in. And, 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 and I wasn't. I wasn't sure if you were gonna feel that way because, like, you're you're one of those guys who are always supremely positive and like confident about, like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, I, I'm. I can. I can tackle anything. I'm good. You know, you have that positivity and optimism about you that I feel like maybe you don't have that imposter syndrome. <laughs> well, I'll, let me put it this way. I think. As I've gotten older, it's definitely gotten better. I had it so mm-hmm. biggest imposter syndrome, which we might have talked about before, was going to grad school. So I honestly I really think I almost cheated my way into getting into DGP. Like I think about this a lot and when I when I when I <laughs> When I think about how I got in, obviously I had I had that a certain amount of skills to just get into the interview process. But from there, it was very clear to me that everybody else was smarter than me, and I had to use other skills that I had, like talking mm-hmm. and connecting with people, to figure out a way to get into this program because I really, really wanted to get into it. But mm-hmm. just daily basis in class, I would feel completely like an imposter one because we were well i was i was actually pretty young i was one of the younger people in the class a lot of people had work experience and you came did you come straight out of undergrad yeah yeah straight out of undergrad Mm. so even even with you i remember i interviewed you 
And <laughs> he did, man. I yeah. did. And I remember thinking, like, why am I interviewing this guy? He's amazing. Let's bring him, like, game over. It's, it's done. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I was on the other side of that, and I was like, I don't even know what this grad school thing is. Like, oh man, I hope this guy's like me. Hope I get it. <laughs> but, but you had so much more experience, and you had all this, these great ideas, and it, on paper, you were just leaps and bounds ahead of me for for grad school. So that was a big one. Then, actually, going back even further, I had imposter syndrome in undergrad because I was so late to programming, and everybody around me was really good at programming and I had to just learn faster than my, my peers just to keep up. Mm -hmm. So I think I got used to it very early. And then the more I started doing things, I realized that I knew I was, I was good at things. Like I could, I don't know. I would, um, it, it, I think it really came from me when I started consulting and I realized that I could make money, decent money on my own merits. So no one's going to hire you if you suck and they have no incentive to hire you. So if you're not good at being a, if you're not good at providing results, you're, you're going to be a shitty consultant. So mm -hmm. the fact that I was getting work and that I was eating and thriving, I meant, okay, I must kind of know what I'm doing, but it was also kind of really easy back then because there wasn't a lot of competition and the growth world was very easy and the app world, everything was just so much simpler and easier. I feel like if I was competing now, it would be so much harder because the world is just that much more complicated. So I do think I got used to the imposter syndrome. And then there's been almost a conditioning for me listening to people that I admire. I'm an audio junkie, as you know, and the amount of books and podcasts and biographies and interviews and YouTube videos and everything I've, I've read of people I respect, they've just said one of the common threads with all of these people is that they always feel like an imposter and they don't know what they're doing and they're sort of hanging on, making this shit up as they go along. Mm -hmm. And the more I heard that and internalized it, I realized that I'm doing the right things. I'm on the right path because I feel like that too a lot. So mm -hmm. that's that's maybe it. As long as I chase that feeling, I'm probably pushing myself further than other people and I'm stretching. And there's part of me that feels like that's the answer to a lot of things. Like it's just, yeah, you know, like it's not even that you have to even be better. It's you have to be willing to to push yourself or to try things or to... Just, you know, it's like, again, going back to what we were saying with that Dan Carlin, just doing things and starting something is, is the hardest part. And, well, um, yeah, go on. Sorry. One, 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 one area, like I felt like a huge imposter was like being, being a dad, like, I don't know, having a kid and being a parent, I was like, I have no idea what the hell is going on. And it's, it's really daunting at first. Um, it still is very daunting, but after you're in the game for a little bit, you kind of realize that nobody knows what the hell is going on. Everyone's kind of winging it. Um, so yeah, and it's, it's just, it's super interesting because like when I do look at like my nephews or, um, even just young kids, like they don't have that sense. They don't have that filter or that like censorship and it's, 
I, I, I guess when I realized this, it was like I was um, changing my my uh, daughter's diaper one time. I was picking her up from the the crib, and she like fucking pissed all over the crib, all over her <laughs> her her clothes. It was just soaking wet, and she was just like laughing, and she was like, having a great time, and. She just this like supreme confidence about her, and she just doesn't care. And there was no like this like self censorship that we have, or these like kind of doubts that we have in in our heads all the time. Um, and I don't know what 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 do you think causes that? And yeah, like, do you think it's it's the fact that um, there's this internet celebrity now that there's there's like you look on the internet, everyone like feels like an expert everyone feels like they know what they're doing do you think it's more of a problem now than it was before hmm yeah it's it's got to be more magnified because i don't know if this is true for you it's maybe different with parenting but bringing it back to more on the career side mm-hmm. i think a lot of it is that you're it's easy to call people out or something or like your failures are a lot more visible than they might've been before. So if you really do mess something up or if you do the worst case scenario and you make the wrong decision or your company fails or your blog sucks or your video sucks or your podcast sucks because it's digital. Now there's just a record of it for some, for some mm-hmm. reason there's a, and, and that like the stakes might be higher. So mm-hmm. you might self-censor, even more where we even talked about this when we were setting the ground rules for this podcast, what things do we cover about our work, about our, our life? Because, you know, this is public record now this is going out there. We we're going to say things that we might regret that we might wish we had have said differently. And mm-hmm. even that alone, just the fact that it's out there, I think there's a, there's a degree of that. I think it's also yeah. just, if you don't feel like an imposter, you might be, like, yeah, yeah. Or, or you might be a, I don't know if narcissist is the right word, but yeah. Okay. I mean, let's, if Donald Trump doesn't feel like an imposter and he probably doesn't, I don't think he does at all. I think he feels like he is in complete control and that's why he's so ridiculous looking to everybody that's not in his bubble because surely he has no place being there and he should feel like an imposter every day. And the lack of humility comes with like the hubris that people, some people have could come from a place of insecurity where they're just not admitting that they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Or it could come from a place of, they really do think they know what they're doing. And that to me is way more dangerous. So I would much rather someone to, I don't know, be, I think the imposter syndrome is a very healthy feeling and if you don't have it i'm kind of suspicious of you you know or yeah but do you okay so i I come across people all the time like let's say um i don't know developers or something and i i say interview them or talk to them and i'm like if i knew what you knew i would feel like an imposter but the way you're presenting yourself right now as like a you know, a, a senior developer, or a very expert C++ person or whatever it might be. Do you, who do you think is better off in their career? The person who is kind of faking it and maybe really believing it um, or the person who is an imposter who is going to undersell themselves 
Um, because like in, in the consulting world, even like you, you talked about earlier, when you're pitching clients, you're talking to clients, the person who sounds confident is probably going to get that gig versus the person who is like, ah, I'm not, you're, you just don't sell yourself because you feel like you're just not really that good. But, but wait though, but let's define to me, imposter syndrome mm-hmm. implies confidence. So an imposter syndrome is an, like, yeah, it's, an, okay. it's an internal okay. feeling that you feel when you're by yourself, but you, you need to almost project confidence to feel like the imposter. So I, okay. yeah. Yeah. So that developer, if you could get inside their head, it's, it's more that internal, it's an internal dialogue than an external dialogue. If you, Mm. if somebody doesn't look confident, then I don't think they have imposter syndrome. They're just not confident. I think that imposter syndrome is again, someone like me where I'm, I'm very confident in interviews and that probably comes from my consulting days where, yeah, I would say it's ninety five percent confidence to get a yeah. to, to get a gig. You just have yeah. to promise whatever the hell you need to promise and yeah. hope that can you can that. deliver on it. Yeah. yeah. And you can do yeah. that too. And I think that's why we got into grad school as well, because we convinced whoever needed to check the box that we were gonna do good research and write a good paper and, you know, maybe be a professor one day <laughs> or something. But that's not what we had planned at all. So, and you're near these client gigs, and then they, they tell you what they do, they want to build, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I can do that for you for next week. No problem. Oh, can you guys do this? Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I, let's, let's, uh, let's get you ranked really high in Google, too. I, I can do that. Yeah, no problem. And really, you have no idea what the fuck is going on. But yeah, that's yeah. how like, client, these client meetings are, right? Yeah, my, my whole career, my, my pivot was because I oversold my AdWords skills and then luckily was able to deliver on a promise that I had no business making that was not even, it was a flat out lie. I, you could almost say it was a a, a devious lie that I was reckless with money that I didn't know if I was going to be, but mm-hmm. so it's, it's weird though, because I have a, I think I have an unhealthy degree of confidence in my ability to figure shit out. So if there's one thing I'm overconfident in, it's my ability to figure something out. And mm. that's when I, I will always overpromise on something like that because I've never not been able to wrestle with a problem and find a find a way around it, even if it meant giving it to selling that problem to somebody else. So yeah. That's maybe where I'm overconfident. Where, where where I have the where I have the imposter syndrome is when I'm saying things maybe that are that are crossing a boundary or they're crossing into another discipline. So like right now at Hubba, I have imposter syndrome on the daily because I see a lot of questionable things happening. Let's say on the engineering side, and mm-hmm. there's a part of my brain that still thinks I'm a software developer even though I haven't been a professional software developer in six years. So I'll say something and then I, I, I will literally hear a voice in my head say, why'd you say that? You have no idea if that's true. Like you're, you're on thin ice here, man. If they call your bluff right now, you, you know, um, yeah. and, but then sometimes I'll have people, I'll sit down and talk to them and they'll be like, wow, you really know that you really know this. 
Like yeah. you, you really know this shit. Like, how do you know all this? And it's like, well, I was a developer for five years. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not like an arm, you know? So you walk this weird line where you probably know more than you do, but you still put yourself in situations where you're hitting a little bit above your, your weight class. And I, I think there's kind of a sweet spot there where you, you need some foundation and underpinning to even be able to sound credible and to, to make decisions or be a manager. Like you have to have some baseline skill and then Mm. it's your ability to maybe pick a fight with someone who's 20 pounds heavier than you versus 40 pounds heavier than you. Because if that guy connects, you're, you're knocked out. Whereas Mm -hmm. you can, you can take a few hits and you know, maybe (laughs) I don't know, but you know, it's, so okay, I want to touch on the managing part after, but even even in your current role as like um, doing growth stuff, um, or even like what I, what I do on the product side, is it weird that you are kind of like this high level growth person at Hubba, which is like a really up and coming startup in Toronto, um, doing big things, and then you're basically in charge of growth like that is isn't that dude do you ever like wonder like what the i don't i don't really know like i oversold myself on adwords i got me some experience doing some of this seo stuff but i have no business being here (laughs) so in this case no so this is an interesting one um i feel like there's a few things in my career that i've started to gain a bit of mastery on and one of them is I have a a model in my head for how to grow a startup a company I think if I came to Sego I could do the same thing if I went to any company I I have a, a model that I apply to growth and it's a very simple predictable very hard to fuck up model and mm-hmm. I trust the model or eh, system is maybe a better word. It's a, it's a system. So sure. I don't make a lot of decisions. I trust the system and mm-hmm. I have a lot of faith in that, in that it's, it's, it's a system that I've kind of used. I've borrowed and stole from other people. It's been, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I just built on the standing on the shoulder of all these great other people. And I've put something together where I feel like, I've got a really found strong foundation in in growth. Now, if Ben came to me and said, "Hey Kent, we need to you know, get four it's sort of like what we were talking about last week. We need 4 million mm-hmm. users yeah. um you know, next month." Well, okay. But I I feel like if he was serious, like if he looked at me stone cold and said, "We need 4 million users next month," I would go back to my system and say, "Well, do you have $35 million? And he might, he might have it. He might say, sure. Yeah. You want 35? Yeah, go ahead. Here it is. Go, let's do it. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. whereas like there are other parts of my, of my job though, where I don't have that same level of, of confidence. And, but, but at the same time, I try to remind, I love this Einstein quote, I'll butcher it, but it's the idea that as you're, as the area of your knowledge increases, the perimeter of your unknown knowledge increases too. So 
if you think of your not like how much you know as like a growing circle, mm-hmm. as you get to know more things, the edge of that circle gets bigger and bigger, which is the edge of what you are just like if the if what you don't know is on the other side of that circle, that edge gets bigger and bigger as you learn more and more things, right? So mm-hmm. the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I sort of feel like that when it comes to even something like growth, where if if I went and worked for Apple, okay, that would be totally imposter syndrome, where I'm really good at early stage startup growth. That's my that's where my system works. If mm. I went to Apple and they said, "Okay, Kent, you need to sell an additional 73 million iPhones this year," I don't think that system works. Or I, I need to, but but I could probably yeah. talk myself into that job. I could I I could probably not yet. I don't have the but give me ten years and I could stack all these different startups and and maybe get into a situation where I could pitch myself and talk myself into that job and then realize, holy fuck, what have I done? I have no idea what I'm doing, mm-hmm. which is what I kind of did when I got into my first job at Top Hat, where the one thing I totally oversold myself on was my kind of bringing it back to management was my, my scrum master abilities. I had mm-hmm. taken a weekend course in Toronto on being a scrum master. I had a certificate that said I was a scrum master. I'd never run a scrum team before, but mm-hmm. I made it seem like I had run a scrum team before and I knew all the theory. And then I had to come in with razor confidence and fucking run that team as if I'd been running one for five years. And mm-hmm. that was a really awkward couple of weeks. But again, I think that I got blessed with, the personality to pull that off where I can really fake it if I need to, you know, and then mm-hmm. I, I kind of liked it and then that kind of worked out. But again, I, I, that might've just been luck. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and I, I wonder, I guess, um, if you, so if you, feel like in the growth aspect of your job, you don't have a bit of imposter syndrome. Is that, is that bad in any way? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I still, I'm, I still, I'm, I'm not, it's a good question. It's different. It's not imposter syndrome anymore though. It's a, it's a, it's still like a striving to be better, but it's, mm-hmm. It's it's different. I don't know how to describe it. The, in this case, for me, it feels as if, and I feel like it has to be the same with you now, as a game developer, where if you went back to EA now as a as a as a you know head of product, you might feel imposter syndrome because the scale is different, but there's fundamentally nothing different about your job, right? Like you would, you would feel. Okay, well, okay, maybe that's a, maybe that's a bad, but how do I um I always have an I always have an imposter syndrome when it comes to the like the scale, right? So, when you go from you know doing a certain number of users a day to setting that that normal, now you have to keep pushing it. Like but, like but but it's not it's not even that. It's like if you're 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 confident in your model that it's going to work, right? And you feel it's 
not like supreme confidence in that model, but you know, you're like, I've done this, I've tried it, it's worked. But if you don't have a bit of imposter syndrome though, do you think you run the risk of being overconfident and your model maybe not working exactly how it worked previously? Yes, but but again, yes and no, because built into the model or built into the system is a check to make sure that you're not getting overconfident. So mm. it's I think it's got to be the same way that you know, like a scientist feels like when they're, I don't know, making progress on research, there's a, there's a method that you follow. And the, I think, okay, the, the scary thing for me, which probably is more like what creatives feel like is sometimes I'll get, I'll get these ideas and I don't know where they come from and they end up being really good ideas. And I have a, always a fear that one day those ideas just aren't going to, they're not going to show up. So sometimes the hardest part of the job is seeing a problem coming up with 15 different ways to get around the corner and then figuring out which of those ways to try first. Sometimes I'll have a really strong intuition, which is the right way to go. And more often than not, it ends up working out. So some people will call that expertise. Some people call that intuition. Part of me in the back of my head knows that part of it's kind of luck. And one day, if I stop taking Alpha Brain, those ideas just might not come. And then that's when mm -hmm. it's like, hey, Ken, how come you're not getting out of this hole that you normally get out of? And you're like, I, I don't know. I, 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 It's like writer's block or something. That to me is terrifying. Um, and I think that's why I still um, – yeah, I, I know what you're saying though. Like I kind of feel – like the answer you're kind of looking for is – you should always feel like if you don't feel like an imposter, you're not pushing hard enough, right? Is that kind of what you're getting at? I don't know. I, I just I just wonder because like I, it, it can be two things. It's like if you, yeah, like a, you want to feel like a bit like an imposter. Maybe that's normal, like you mentioned before, um, because you're always going to be, you're not going to get overconfident. The other thing too is like if you are overconfident if you're not if not even if you're not even overconfident but you're just really good at it and you mastered it are you even learning anything anymore are you gaining anything out of this hmm yeah yes as long as you're you're still pushing to new levels right so i think and again growth mm -hmm. is i think i have an unfair advantage in growth because you can just always set a higher bar it's just part of the yep. job so yep it's like a public company it's not about what you're doing it's about expectations and about hitting targets so mm -hmm. you can always set a stretch target and then try to go for it you know it's funny so hubba i've been there for nine months the mm -hmm. first seven months have been very let's say like not stressful but i've tried a lot of things and none of them really took off the way i wanted them to a couple of them showed some signs but i couldn't sell the right people on getting the resources i needed and it was too much of a leap and it involved changes to our our kind of business model that people weren't ready to go and i you know i felt like i had tried like if i've got a list of things to try i'm, I'm starting to scratch off a lot of those things mm -hmm. and in the past two months things have just really started clicking and humming where now I'm moving into we're, we're, we're every week is a record week. And it's been like that for mm -hmm. 
uh, well, maybe four months or so, let's say. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a different feeling now, and it's it, I've noticed for myself it's a harder feeling for me to wrestle with because now I have to be the it's it's like um well you're we're talking about running it's like when you're running do you want to be the person at the front or do you want to have someone a little bit ahead of you so that you can be pacing that you can you know know that you if draft, you, you draft behind you them draft person. behind them yeah you could like <laughs> you could turn it on in the last 20 minutes and and blow past them if you feel like you've got some fuel in your tank but if you're pacing if you're the pace car you mm-hmm. have to have a totally different set of motivations to be making sure that you're not going to let someone pass you. And mm-hmm. obviously Hubba's not at that range where we, like we're still the underdog in this. Like we're just, you know, we're, we're the new kid on the street. Alibaba is not, you know, sweating yet, but but they will be if, if this, you know, if this keeps up. So mm-hmm. the, but it takes a different mindset where I have to wake up now and I'm not waking up like, Oh man, I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make this thing work. It's like, no, I, I made it work. Now I have to go do it uh, at 10 X and then go do it in three other channels. So now my next challenge is, okay, I've got one channel that's just humming right now. How do I get five of these things humming? Cause if we can mm. get five of them humming now we're, we're almost not untouchable, but we're really starting to, you know, write our own ticket here. But right now, mm-hmm. we're we're still fragile because if this thing stops working, we're back to ground zero, and we gotta we gotta start all over again. But if I can get yeah. five of these engines running, then if one goes down, it doesn't matter. the The car's still gonna move. So, yeah. but that's a very different mindset, and it's almost easier when nothing's working because everybody sees you're trying, everybody knows how hard you're working, everybody wants you to win. But then as soon as you start winning. You now have to keep up that intensity and bring it to a next level, which mm-hmm. which is interesting, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I could see that the more you, and it's kind of a sad thing to think. It's a sad thing for me to 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 admit, but I've been losing a lot of my life, like the companies that I've chosen, or the time that I've been at those companies. They have not been mm-hmm. thriving success stories. They have been. Maybe uh, maybe on the outside they have been, but inside it's it's a constant uh, struggle. And I've never worked at a company where everything is kind of just like, yeah, we're making good profit, and yeah, things are going really great, and yeah, we're just hoping I think, to. I, 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 I think I think if you're not Google, I think every company has a bit of that imposter syndrome too, right? But and like, maybe Google even does too. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, and yeah, right. Like maybe that doesn't exist. I I always think about. Uh, Actually, I don't know if you know. Did you know Michael Novati at in grad school at all? Did you ever work with him? No, I didn't. So he went to Facebook really early, like 2010, mm-hmm. and um, he's like a senior, senior, like right up there with like the CTO now at Facebook. Super smart guy. And I remember I talked to him, God, like years ago now about just how crazy everything was, and like, oh my God, like you know, he's a uh, probably. A, I don't know, hundred millionaire by now and just made a lot of good decisions. And we're just sort of reflecting on grad school and all that stuff. And long story short, he basically pinned Facebook success down to even when they had a hundred million users, they, Mm -hmm. they thought they were losing. They, they thought that it could all go away and that Instagram was going to, was going to lap them. And then they bought Instagram and then they were like, okay, well now this Snapchat, like Facebook is always playing as if they're behind. 
And mm-hmm. that's a really powerful kind of attitude to have. And because I kind of of think this this imposter syndrome like expands past like people and I think it it applies to companies as well but Um, okay but but I think what you have to be careful about though is so it's funny I've I've been playing like this this game of ping pong in my mind because I, I know what you were getting at with that question or whether you meant it or not or the way I'm interpreting it is yeah you almost want your 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 like if if Ben Zivkin's listening to this right now he's saying man I wish I wish maybe Ken had a bit of an imposter syndrome. Like I don't want him to be so confident because we're not we're not Alibaba yet. We're not, you know, we haven't taken and, over the. Yeah, yeah. but, and, but and I, sorry, I, I didn't I didn't mean to like set you up here. I'm not that wasn't my intention. No, 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 no. But no, no. But as I'm, but but at the same time, you, I can argue with the uh, the exact opposite way. Like you do not want your your head of growth worrying that they're gonna. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you, mm-hmm. you 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 gotta. You at some point you have to trust that you are smart enough and you are resourceful enough to do whatever needs to get done, or admit that you need help. Which I think is kind of the the point I'm at now, where I I'm always pushing myself, but there are some things that I just feel confident enough that if if I had to figure it out, I could figure it out. And I think mm-hmm. that. If you don't have that, I could I could equally say that's that's kind of bad too because yeah. then then what have you been doing this whole time? Like if you don't have some you know beginnings of yeah. of of mastery, um, you, you you know, and it's if you kind of take that journeyman mentality that a lot of programmers take, you you eventually achieve that level where you're let's I think it's they call them uh, the, the ma- yeah that's it's the, the master level but mm-hmm. part of the master level is knowing that you're you're not the master that there's always somebody out there smarter than you that the learning never stop like that that comes with the territory of being the the master do you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. and I'm not the master of of growth by by any means but you there does like there does come a time where you can't let that imposter syndrome voice push you around too much because I don't know I feel like the, the, well, that I, yeah I, I, it's it's kind of like if you look at like a like a Kobe Bryant or a basketball player I'm sure they, at some point in their career they're they're like I can't believe I'm in the league I'm like 18 years old and I'm I I should I do not belong with these people. But at a certain point, like Kobe, he, he works or he used to work really hard at his craft. And I, I I don't know if he had that imposter syndrome. Like he was straight killer on the court. And he was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to eat you up. I'm going to destroy you on the court. Mm. And you have to have that supreme confidence. But that also didn't change his work ethic. And he knew that there was going to be some some young young buck coming into the league that he was, was going to try to take take his spot, you know. But but you know what? I think you just nailed it. I think you I think you uncovered it. And sorry, now I'm I realize maybe I sound like uh, insecure, so I'm trying to like defend my mental position. But I <laughs> but I think that the if okay, imposter syndrome, w- w- like where does it normally come from? Like why do you think you would ever feel an imposter syndrome? Yeah, and I was gonna okay. So this is another question I had and. Okay, well, I have two two questions, two two like 
anecdotes, I guess. And the, the first is like, as a kid, you don't have this. So how, how do we, why, why does this happen? Like, why, why do you even, why do you even develop an imposter syndrome? Like, is it like, how, how does that even occur? Like, I assume it's just like from failures over, over, yeah. over time since you're a kid and like feeling a, like, like you don't want to fail. Yeah. It's gotta be some kind of a rejection mindset where you, and it's probably like, if you, if you go back, you know, you can probably trace it like evolutionary, like evolutionarily, if you're a hunter and you get into a situation that you're not prepared for, that better feel uncomfortable because you might die or something. So mm -hmm. there, there could be some survival, uh, there could be a, a survival function that says that if you kind of always feel like you got to be on your toes, you're less likely to get eaten than someone who's walking around thinking they know the jungle. And then, you know, a, a, a friggin' anaconda comes down and strangles them or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So there, there's gotta be some deep rooted part of it. But, but I think what I was, what I was getting at with you is the, Oh, sorry. Well, you said, you said there was two questions. So I think that was sort of my, that was my answer to one of them. Um, well, another anecdote, I guess, about this imposter syndrome is just, um, I took this cooking course, I guess, a couple of years ago at George Brown and it was just like intro to culinary or something. And it's really weird because before this, I, I watch like food network or something or I see people cook and I'm like, Whoa, that's like really crazy. Or I have to follow a recipe really to the T or I was just in awe of people who could cook stuff. Um, not that I, I, I can make spaghetti and stuff and instant noodles and you know, nothing crazy, but I couldn't really create stuff. And it's funny how going to cooking class, you just, it's like five, it's like 10 classes and you just make something every class. And I don't know, they kind of teach you some basics, but really you're just there and you're, you're just there to experiment and play with the food and make stuff. And he, the chef is like, yeah, I don't really measure anything. Just kind of put whatever you think is good. And just, just, uh, yeah, you know, if you think you need an extra carrot, put an extra carrot. You need more salt, put more salt. Do, do whatever you kind of want to do. But it's weird coming out of it. There was this, it's almost like that class gave me permission to cook. And that permission took away a lot of that imposter syndrome that I had in the kitchen, at least. Um, like, I would make something, I'd make something in the kitchen before that, but I'd really feel like I had no idea what the hell I'm really doing. But yeah, okay, here's this pasta. But now, I just kind of have fun with it. And I feel like that class gave me that power to have fun with the cooking that I, I don't, that doesn't cross my mind anymore that I feel like I'm faking it in the kitchen or that I feel like it's this weird daunting thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Began, Am I on some complete tangent? No, 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 no. I think it, I think it ties into what we were saying where you've got a, you've got like a, enough of a, of a foundation to get past that initial Okay, okay, so and this is sort of the question that I asked you, and I'll—I didn't mean it to be rhetorical, but I think you kind of answered it, and I'll summarize my thinking on it. So, mm -hmm. I think the reason why you feel like an imposter is when you're in a situation where you have some—you've almost gotten an upper hand that you don't think you deserve, or mm -hmm. some, or, or 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 you're in a situation where you've—maybe that's the positive way to look at it. Then the negative is you're in a situation where you've overpromised something. And you, you don't have the, 
the goods to deliver, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are courting a, a female or male and you talk a big cooking game and then she tells you to cook dinner for her family, you're, you know, okay, maybe that's not imposter syndrome. Maybe that's like, you're fucked. Um, yeah, yeah, you're like really fucked, but yeah. Yeah, but, but there's a... Like, do you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's the trouble you you get into. But going back to the Kobe example, and I think thinking about even the two of us, why maybe we or I'll use I'll just talk, speak for myself here. Going back to that that growth thing, I was saying, I I feel like I practice the way that Kobe practiced, where I I'm always trying other. Hello, hello. hello. Oh, you there? Did, Can you hear me? Yeah. Did I lose you? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. All Go good. Ahead. Okay. So I think the reason why I, I have a confidence in that, in this growth ability or this growth system is, you know, I'm constantly practicing and challenging myself outside of my, my, my day job to mm. get better at this stuff. So I'm, you know, I've got a, a side thing going on or we've got this podcast or we've, we've got something that doesn't even detract from our daily our daily job but mm-hmm. keeps us on our toes the same way Kobe goes home and the reason why he doesn't have imposter syndrome is because he just works harder so it's it's not that like he might have imposter syndrome for the first little while but once he realizes like oh i i'm the one showing up to practice i'm the one putting in the reps here i'm the one you you start to realize that not only do you maybe um, did you get some luck or some some circumstance to get to this place? But you actually outwork everybody around you. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying I outwork everybody around me, but when I compare myself to other uh, people in in startups, I, I feel like I'm on the on the end where like I don't go home and watch a lot of TV. I go home and you know learn new programming languages and try to build things and try to mm-hmm. you know so that's maybe where that additional confidence comes in where I'm constantly trying to sharpen the saw. I'm not just like, yeah, man, I'm the shit. AdWords is amazing or this is amazing. And then all of a sudden that channel falls through. Hopefully my, my practice, I'll know that AdWords is going to fall through and I'll get really good at something else before that happens or something, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that with, with the cooking example too, you you got enough of a baseline to feel not like a you're going to cut your fingers off or not that you're going to you know make something atrocious that it just sort of took the edge off no pun intended it's, and then you're you're able to yeah, be more creative and i i don't it like i i get the the mastery part of it but it's also at the very basic level i think it's almost like a comfort level um and it's 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 like I don't know like when you it's like the parenting thing when you realize that nobody knows what the hell they're doing you just feel like oh I'm not really an imposter I'm just kind of normal like I'm just is like everybody and even with the cooking stuff after um, you learn some basic basic things and then you're like okay this is really all I need to really know to make like 60 70 percent of things out there and not really fuck it up really bad. Like I understand there's a certain level of just basic understanding of like 
um, I don't know, I'm going to just salt my pen so shit doesn't stick. You know, right. it's like, okay, that, that makes sense. Or you're not going to, you're going to sear something because you don't want to eat boiled food. You want to eat food that is like um, <laughs> seared or roasted, right? And then I'm like, oh, okay, that makes complete sense. And then you just kind of apply this to a bunch of scenarios and cases. And you're like, okay, that, that's, that's cool. But there's a certain, like, I guess, comfort level or acceptance level in a way um, when you also realize that, I don't know, like everybody, everyone, no one really knows. Everyone just is kind of, seems like they're just figuring it out. So I hang and, on. Can, can I, can yeah. I, can I just like, I, I want to, I, 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 I want to read you something. So okay. there's this phenomenal book called uh, pragmatic thinking and learning. And it's written by, did you ever read the pragmatic programmer? Yep. Okay. Same. Um, one of the authors, uh, Andy, oh man, Andy, hang on. I want to give him a shout out here. Oh, where are you, Andy? Anyway, I'll I'll find it afterwards. But so he wrote you this put it, book. Put it in the show notes that we'll never put up. Yeah, whatever. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be in the show notes, guys. So it's um, and, and I remember now where I read this, and I, I just want to read something to you. So he wrote this to me. This is one of the best books I've ever read. Highly recommend it. It's one of those ones I've read a few times, and it's all about how we we learn, how we go from being so pragmatic programmer. For those of you who don't know, it's a programming book, very prolific. And it lays out this idea that programming is like being a, a master carpenter, where you start off knowing nothing. The best thing to do is to team up with someone who knows something. And then you just, as time goes on, you you learn and you could become this master carpenter. But there's kind of a, a path that they, like a metaphor that they use for how to become a great programmer. And so he talks about this thing called the the Dreyfus model and it was invented by these these two brothers in the 70s and it's I'm not going to bore you with like all the psychology behind it but this is like a really proven um, system for how people learn so let me just read this to you so the Dreyfus brothers looked at highly skilled practitioners including commercial airline pilots and world-renowned chess masters their research showed that quite a bit changes as you move oh sorry let me define something so the levels are novice advanced beginner, competent, proficient, and expert. Those are the five levels of, of skill mm. acquisition. And they say, so their research showed that quite a bit changes as you move from novice to expert. You don't just know more or gain skill. Instead, you experience fundamental differences in how you perceive the world, how you approach problem solving, and the mental models you form and use. How you go about acquiring these new skills changes. External factors that help your performance or hinder it change as well. Unlike other models or assessment tools that rate the whole person, the Dreyfus model is applicable per skill. In other words, you can be a novice in one and uh, an expert in another. So, and again, I won't read you all this stuff, but like, so he says like the first line for novices. Novices need recipes. They have little to no experience in the skill area. And then... The tagline for advanced beginner is once you pass the hurdles of the novice, you begin to see the problems from the viewpoint of an advanced beginner. Advanced beginners can start to break away from the fixed rule set or recipe a little bit. They can try tasks on their own, but they still have difficult troubleshooting unforeseen problems. And then you move into competent. 
So now practitioners can develop conceptual models of the problem domain and work with those models effectively. They can troubleshoot problems on their own and begin to figure out how to solve them in novel ways that they haven't faced before, and they can begin to seek out advice from experts and use it efficiently. And then is that competent? Is that what that's what, what was that? Com- that was competent. Yeah. And then proficient is proficient. Proficient practitioners need the big picture. They will seek out and want to understand the larger conceptual framework around the skill. They will be very frustrated by oversimplified information and instructions. Um, so it says, for instance, someone at this stage will will not react well when they call tech support hotline and ask whether or not the device is plugged in. Um, oh, so proficient practitioners can self-correct. They're aware enough to self-correct. And then uh, experts are the primary sources of knowledge and information in any field. They are the ones who continually look for better methods and ways of doing things. They have a vast body of experience that they can tap into and apply in just the right context. These are the folks who write the books, write the articles, and do the lecture circuits. They are the modern wizards. So if we if we take that as a as a as a model i think that when you when you think about it not to like just cut everything we've said and say it was all useless but mm-hmm. doesn't it all just have to do with reps like okay do you, let me ask you this do you feel like you're a podcaster no do you feel like you're mm-hmm. i actually do yes no, I don't feel like that. Maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just me, man. I, I feel like in my career, every step, I feel like I have been an imposter. But and, we, but wait, 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 wait. Hang on, though. We've yeah. done we've done eleven episodes. You don't you don't feel at like you wouldn't tell someone right now like if they're like, do you know any podcasters? You wouldn't raise your hand. No. What? Why? Yeah. Because I feel like I didn't put enough reps in. Okay, but what's enough then? How many how many of these do we have to do until you raise your hand? I, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm always going to feel this way. I think even if we have like 100,000 listeners, I'm still going to feel like, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not really a podcaster. Like, it's it just, it's weird. I don't know. No, but hang on though. But I think you're conflating something here. I, I don't think you really believe that. So I think that you might be like Joe Rogan, which to me, he's he's a phenomenal uh, view of like humility where people will say to him like, Oh my God, Joe, you're like one of the most prolific people on earth. You have, he'll downplay that because if he didn't, he's, he's, he's kind of a, a narcissist and that's kind of fucked up. I feel like if we had a hundred thousand listeners, we would never feel like we deserve that. Let's put it that way. I would never feel like we deserve a hundred thousand listeners for you and I just sitting yeah. here shooting the shit. Yeah. But for sure. But, but if yeah. I filed my taxes and it said, what is your job? I would probably put down podcaster because we are proficient at podcasting because we do it every single week. I would probably put down self-employed. <laughs> no, okay. No, no. Hang on though. No, 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 no. But, but like, I think, I think what you're saying is that you would never feel like you deserve the, the, the praise or the, the attention you might get if we got a hundred thousand listeners. But that doesn't change the fact that if if I put two people in a room and said, do a podcast, you have an advantage over someone who's never even thought about doing one before. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
But see, I think the difference though is that it's like asking me, do you play basketball? Like, yeah, okay, I've I know how to play basketball, but I wouldn't say like. I guess it depends how that question's framed, but like, I guess when you say podcaster, it's almost like as a, it feels like okay, this is a professional thing. Like, oh, I okay, okay, I'm a professional okay. podcaster. Sorry, and I, I, I would, would not say I'm no. a professional, professional podcaster. And, right? and and neither and neither would I. Like, I, I don't I don't think I'm even. Uh, we're not even close to that. But I think yeah. that if, um, I guess like. I feel like you might be on the other end. Like maybe I'm too far. Maybe I'm more confident. But I think you're maybe too far on the on the other end. Because if I'm looking at you in this um, like novice, advanced, beginner, competent, proficient, expert, like you are an expert in product. I don't know if I would be. I don't know. I, I also I, don't don't. I I don't even like their their definition of expert there. But that's beside the point. Um. <laughs> Like I kind of think. Actually, no. You know what? I'm just rereading it again. You and I are probably both proficient, <laughs> because. So there's uh, sorry. What's what's after competent? Is it competent and then proficient? Yeah. So proficient is proficient practitioners need the big picture. They will seek out and want to understand the larger conceptual framework around the skill. They will be very frustrated by oversimplified information. They can learn from the experience of others. They can read yeah. case studies. They can listen to water cooler gossip of failed projects, see what others have done and learn effectively from that story. Along with the capacity to learn from others is the ability to understand and apply maxims, which are proverbial mm. or fundamental truths that can be applied to. Okay. That, that this is me. So like we're yeah. not writing books about, you're not writing a book about product. I'm not writing a book about growth. So we're probably not the experts. Like I'm not creating honestly, anything new. Yeah. And those motherfuckers who are writing books, and 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 running and doing podcasts, but they're not the experts. It's like it's like the people who 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 can who can teach are the ones who who aren't able to do it themselves. You know, if you're so good at your craft, you wouldn't be teaching it right now. You wouldn't be writing about it. You'd be you'd be doing your fucking craft. Oh, that's see, the way I kind of see it. I know, but that's so fascinating because I, I, but but then but you could also yeah 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 you're right because then know, the, that's the way I see it. Anyone like anyone can write a book. Like I'm fucking gonna try to write a book. And what what the hell do I know about parenting? Hey, I ain't no expert. Yeah, but but I'm you know, like a but or something. no, but but you're, but you're an expert in like in getting shit done, or you're an expert in taming the the imposter pro like the imposter syndrome, or you're an expert in killing yeah. pencil problems, right? Like, it, yeah, I, I'm I'm good at I'm good at like not not letting that stop me, right. Know a lot. So I have. I, I feel like I've imposter syndrome throughout my whole career. I started at EA, and I was like, "What? I have no business working at this place where a whole bunch, where these games are played by millions of people, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm meeting all these basketball like stars and stuff." I'm like, "I have no business being here at all. I, I do not. I'm not a great programmer. What, what, what is this?" And <laughs> but then, but then there, like, like you said, in those steps, though, you, you go there's a certain competency level and then proficiency level where you're good at your, your, your one thing, I guess you're, you're good at like, I don't know, uh, like sharpening that pencil or, you know, um, you know, sanding that table and you're, you're good at that one specific thing. And uh, you, you work at a company long enough, you, you, you find your, 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 your pocket that you're in and you're, you're good at that. But, I, I don't know. Like even even then, when you when you step out of it, though, you're like, I have no business being here. 
in the grand picture of things. Like, but you kind of, I guess you do. Like, but maybe this is how everyone kind of feels. You know, yeah, like, and and I think code has this really interesting. Like software developers have a, a strange case of imposter syndrome because it's such a new field. Also, like there's there's very few people for us to compare ourselves to. Like if you're a scientist, you compare yourself to Einstein and um, Galileo, and like really, like you know, there's like all these archetypes that you can compare yourself to. It's it's very hard for programmers to compare yourself to that. And actually, I don't even know if I've told you this. I use a story you told me, which I feel like I've completely manipulated. That's maybe not even true. So I'll tell it to you and you can tell me if it's true. (laughs) And I actually tell this like in talks I give, if I'm trying to teach people about programming or about getting started in programming, not that I do that often. I've done this a few times. Or if somebody asks in the q and I'll reference you by name and I tell this story. And now that I think about it, it could be totally false. So here it goes. So when you were working at EA, you were working on the passing algorithm. Am I, is this so far right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. And you had this crazy imposter syndrome where you were like, holy shit, this is probably going to be so complicated and super advanced. And oh my God, like the passing algorithm, like that's really important. People pass a lot in basketball. And then you got in there and the code was this like massive spaghetti if else case if it's this player and if the score is like this and if this and and it was just this and nobody had touched it in five or six years because or nobody had ever refactored it or rewritten it because it was such a glorified piece of shit that if they broke it, it would destroy the whole game. And you were essentially the steward of this gigantic piece of shit. And hearing that (laughs) made me feel so good because you realize that even this stuff that we idolize and worship under the hood is all just as shitty as the code that we're writing. It's just, it works, right? Is that yeah. at all, is that yeah. at all true? Yeah, it's true. Uh, it was, nobody wants to touch this code. And then one time, like you're, you're, you're crunching, uh, trying to hit like some alpha or something. And then there's like a crash in the code. And then sometimes the crash goes up and it's like, who wants to tackle it? And you just kind of, message and say who, who like you'll, you'll take it or whatever and i was like yeah i'll do it i i finished my other stuff i'll do it and then but suddenly in code you know how it is like you, once you touch it you own it and then i was i was in charge of a lot of that that like fixing a lot of problems around that or um adding a bunch of logic around that and yeah i do it i have no business doing that and <laughs> in the grand picture of things, but I, I guess I did, and I don't know. We shipped something. Okay, but but then but the, the reason why I went back and said that I think we can we can reduce this down to the number of reps. And now, if we go back to that that model here again, I, I agree with you. Some of these definitions I, I don't necessarily love, but if one of the if one of the ways you advance from novice to proficient, I think we can agree we're not experts. So let's say we're we're not experts. But if we could agree that we're moving from novice to proficient, one of the things that proficient people can do is they can take these stories and they can internalize them and apply them to their life. So when you hear enough of these stories about how really like, okay, another good one is um, Reed Hoffman would talk about this at LinkedIn where, you know, the, the analogy of a startup uh, you know, people would say a startup is like 
trying to take off a runway, you know, because like you always talk about the runway mm-hmm. and you got to take off. And he's like, no, no, no. A startup is you just jumped out of an airplane or you, you're falling from the sky and you have to build the airplane before you hit the ground. Like that's a better analogy of what a modern startup is. And the more he starts talking like that, people can internalize that and realize, oh, all this bullshit that I'm dealing with is normal because that's what happened at LinkedIn. That's what happened at PayPal. So Mm -hmm. the smarter you get and the more you talk to people and the more experience you have, you realize that this is just what life is. And you, you gain a confidence in the fact that nobody knows what the hell they're doing. And I think that Mm. bringing it back to parenting, I I legitimately feel like a parent because I am responsible for two people. Well, co co co-responsible for two people. And, you know, once you've done a five hour flight with two young children, there's nothing Mm. you can't do other than maybe war and, and, you know, life or death, physical violence, or maybe the next two things. But if you've done that as a human, like, honestly, I will, I will say here that if you haven't done that, I am a, I have, I have seen way more shit than you. Like, I don't care what you've done in your life, except let's say for like physical violence or combat or or, like been in some horrific experience. (laughs) But if you have not flown with two children from Toronto to San Francisco, don't fucking complain about anything because you haven't you haven't experienced anything. So like but and I have that just because I have the reps. Like I've just done that. So yeah. you know, but uh, I don't know. Does that make any it's, sense? It, yeah, but it's funny, like when I went on my first trip, uh when I flew to Austin, I was kind of nervous about it. And then I realized like whatever. You you're gonna as a parent, you're gonna figure it out because you kinda have to figure it out. And there is no alternative. There is no, there is no failure, I guess. Yeah, you, you, exactly. Like, and and but but I think that that's the like you and I are probably advanced beginners, maybe novices. Maybe I'm an advanced beginner because I've been doing this for a year and a half, two years longer than you. But like, I don't think anybody sorry. ever ever sorry, ever goes from novice to advanced beginner to competent, right? Yeah. And sorry, can you read competent again? <laughs> Let's see here. Competent <laughs> is at the third stage, practitioners can now develop conceptual models of the problem domain and work with those models effectively. They can troubleshoot yes. problems on their own and begin to figure out how to solve novel. Okay, okay, we're, we're competent. Yeah. Instead okay, of following, okay, sorry, sorry. so actually, wait, wait, this is, okay. this is important. Instead of following the sort of knee-jerk response of the previous levels, the competent practitioner will seek out and solve problems. Their work is based more on deliberate planning and past experience. Without more experience, they'll still have to determine which details to focus on when problem solving. Um, what's, the, what's, the what's the proficient, proficient one again? Proficient practitioners need the big picture. They will seek out and want to understand the larger conceptual framework around the skill, and they'll be frustrated by oversimplified information. Uh, proficient practitioners make major breakthroughs. They can correct previous poor task performance. They can reflect on how they've done and revise their approach to perform better the next time. Up until this stage, that sort of self-awareness is simply not available. Mm -hmm. They can learn from the experience of others. They can, oh yeah, this is the one they can read case studies, listen to go, oh man, maybe we're proficient because I can do that with parenting. I talk to people all the time about, about, about like parenting advice. 
I, I, I kind of yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I, I do think the big the big jump is jumping to competency. Yes. And 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 maybe maybe this is what I was feeling with the cooking stuff and um, maybe why 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 kids you you don't have this filter and you grow up to have this filter is because I guess I don't know maybe, maybe for me at least like I feel like you're you're getting you end up comparing yourself to these experts all the time and you feel like oh okay I don't know what the fuck is going on then you right. kind of self censor and then you 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 generally are a novice. But you just don't really know. Um, you don't know the base enough that you can't get into play mode. And I feel when you're in competency mode, you're kind of in in playland. Like you're 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 playing more. Like as a kid, you're always, even though you don't think you're competent, even though you probably aren't competent, you think you're competent, and you're you're acting as if you are competent mm. at something. Mm-hmm. And there is no idea of a novice or there is no idea of these other things. It's just like I'm playing and you're discovering and you're – but you don't have these limitations on yourself. So as a, as a kid who is cooking in the kitchen, they're just going to throw a bunch of shit in there. They think it's going to be great and they're having fun with it. But that looseness and that comfort level is like a – at competency stage, even no, though they no 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 no, I, I don't agree. I, I think no no, no? because okay. no because objectively they have no skill, so they're no, not. So I, I, I guess they're, I guess they're, they're not. Is, is, is like is 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 the imposter syndrome at the end of the day coming down to the hard skill or the sense of your level of competency. I think imposter syndrome kicks in when, again, if we just use this these this little ladder as a as a yeah, yeah. as yeah. a as a crutch, like I think imposter syndrome kicks in when you sell yourself as a as competent, but you're really an advanced beginner, mm. or or vice. You know, like okay, here's yeah. a great here's a great example, and I feel so bad for these people, and some of them can can break through, and a lot of them can't. There's a lot of these coding schools a lot of these like uh bitmaker hacker you in toronto yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and i'm telling you i love and hate them because i love them because they expose more and more people to to coding and that's amazing and everybody should have that experience but they over fucking sell it and you get people calling themselves a full stack developer after going through an eight-week boot camp and mm-hmm. you put them in an interview and you get them to try to even just talk about code or talk about something and you both feel embarrassed because it becomes clear that a lot of these people have no fucking idea what they're talking about. And mm-hmm. they got sold that they were going to be competent, but they're, in fact, they might still even be a novice. If they haven't done any outside reading, they're, they're not, they're not going to be there. And, mm-hmm. that, and then if you manage to just sweet talk your way in, if you can somehow like just come out with all the right answers or just say the the right combination of words to get that job you are living in which is how like how I felt with grad school for example like when I saw the caliber of people I legitimately thought oh my god I'm going to get kicked out they're going to realize that I'm I don't belong here like that was the most truest sense of imposter syndrome where I thought that my first semester that I was going to get kicked out because mm-hmm. they were going to know they were just going to they were going to see that I just did not belong here and mm-hmm. whereas like so does that does that make sense like I yeah think, okay so so do you do you think competency is that line 
I think it is. Um, yeah, because it, as soon as you can, you can start to understand the the boundaries and realize that kind of like you said, okay, but wait, I, I want to go back to the kid thing because I think you're, you're hitting on something, but I, I see it a little differently. Kids okay. have no comp, like they're, they're not even on this. They're even like below novice. Like if you tell a kid, if I told Jack right now, he loves the movie Ratatouille. So his favorite thing to do is to just mix spices. And <laughs> we, we just get like this complete. Now, every once in a while, he'll pull off a good little mix. Like the one we got upstairs right now smells pretty damn good because he didn't put in a whole can of onion powder. But he cannot like there's no way if i said to him jack make an omelet like just make an omelet i mean he's not he's gonna kill he might kill he might he might actually die if i told him to make an omelet and i didn't supervise him right because he might try to cut something yeah. and burn himself and cut himself and like he could he has zero skills my, my, my nephew wanted to make banana bread so i'm like cool let's make banana bread he said you how all he wanted to do was put a hat on and he wants to take a picture yeah and that was it yeah and then he wanted you to do all the work so yeah, and then he's like, "Look, look, mom, I made banana bread." I'm like, "Did you know, or was that like me? Were you just wearing a hat, like a chef hat?" <laughs> took a picture. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> but here's the difference, though: kids are in a in in flow, or whatever yeah. whatever word you want to call it. So yeah, th- what what these models don't tell you, these are almost like like snapshots. What they don't mm. what they don't tell you is what you act like in that mode, right? So mm-hmm. k- kids probably act like experts do where they give zero fucks. They have full confidence. They are in the zone. They don't care. Like they're just like, you know, in that, in that really like, you know, for lack of a better word, they're, they're present. You know, they have no sense of past and future. Mm-hmm. They're in the moment. And that's why you can watch kids play. And it's really cool because you realize there's no inhibitions. There's no, it's just raw creativity and, it's it's inspiring yeah. because our brains have just shut that part out. You know, we have mm-hmm. that voice in our head that says, you look stupid. You like, why are you doing that? Like, you know, yeah. don't put your hands like that. You look like an idiot or something like that. Yeah. You you, you ain't Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. And, and really, though, I mean, if we wanted to get super scientific, like kids just don't even have the, the, the brain voice in their head yet. Like. You know they yeah. they just they just don't even have the frontal cortex telling them you look like an idiot. So, um, but I but I love what you're because I think that's how experts must operate. Like, there's there's no way Albert Einstein was sitting there thinking, I don't I shouldn't be doing this. Like maybe he knew that yeah. he he wasn't as smart as God and he still had a lot of shit to figure out. But I'm sure he sat there feeling like a fucking boss drinking his chamomile tea being like, yeah, I'm going to go solve one of the fundamental laws of nature in the next three months. Like he probably had full confidence that he was going to do that. And to go back to my insecurity, I do not have that level of confidence that I'm not going to go to Ben Zifkin right now and say, Hey buddy, don't worry. We got this. Like, just don't even worry about it. I got, I got you. Like, you know what? We're, we're good. Just, we don't even need any money, just but we're good. Um, or you know, but just it's, uh, I, I just, I just, but it's, it's funny because when you read the definitions, though, like I, I feel like competency and maybe proficient is the is where it's a pocket like that seems fun, 
it seems like that's where you understand the constraints, the bounds of the world, and you're just like experimenting and you're playing and you're trying stuff. No, I and... think that, but that might be proficient though, because like competent is. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Um, like, it, it's not like when we, we talked about Albert Einstein, like, I wonder, like, you, you need that looseness, like, that. Um, I guess maybe you need that solid base and then that looseness, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, and, and, I, and um, I think it's like, it's like you need, you need enough to. Like, like, I think your cooking example is a good one where you if you were like scared of even getting into the kitchen by yourself oh, okay a good one for me is is uh cooking steak so mm-hmm. my dad used to always cook the steaks always and mm-hmm. even when he would say i was going to cook the steaks and he was going to show me how to do it he would just take over and he would cook the steak right like yeah, so yeah. Yeah. i really feel like just in the past 3 months i have truly learned and had the pressure of having to cook steak for other human beings and it not be bad right if mm-hmm. you know we had people over i finally have a yard i've got a barbecue you know i'm living the, the suburban dream and it's it's been really interesting where i was so nervous the first five or six yeah. times because yeah. even though like it's I, I know kind of what i'm doing i'm still a novice i need someone to tell me okay put it on for five minutes and then turn it and then flip it over and put it on. Like I'm, I'm literally timing. I have my iPhone timer out where now I can, I've cooked enough steak now myself without any help being that guy out there, you know, yeah. Feeling like King of the world yeah. in front of his grill where yeah. I can start to look at it and I poke it and I can, I can say, ah, this needs a bit more. And yeah. And, and and that's where it comes back to reps, though, because I know just enough now to, you know, but if I was cooking for even my dad, like if my dad came over and said, cook me a steak, I would get that feeling again because, you know, he can tell the difference between, you know, yeah. different levels of doneness and, you know, so. But, I, but I, I'd also argue, though, that there's some people who have made way more steaks than you who still use their timer and they still watch the clock. They still print out or watch that YouTube video or print out that recipe and they follow it to the T. Okay. But, but they I, just I think there's, but yeah. and I don't know if they've, they've, they've crossed that advanced novice line to competency. Cause I almost feel like what the level that makes cooking fun is when you are at that stake, you're, you're, you're with that steak and you're like, okay, Basically, what I need to do is sear sear the outsides, and then just kind of cook the middle somehow. Either put it in the oven or I don't know, low heat, whatever. But you understand the basic idea of what you're trying to achieve, versus like I'm gonna be very robotic and just follow this exact instruction. Hmm. Yep. No. No. I like hear the, you. It's a, the, it's a, it's it's almost the, like creativity, yeah. right? You can you can have a, a degree of of creativity. Or, or freedom yeah. or something like like a degree of freedom, right? Like if you're following yeah. a recipe, you have no degrees of freedom. Okay, so my wife is a great example. Baking is is more science than, you know, if you sure. add a little bit too much baking soda, the chemistry doesn't work and your muffins don't turn out. But yeah. Christina's at a level now. She's probably, well, I, I don't know if it's a, well, she, okay, she hasn't like, written, according to this, you have to like actually like teach other people and like write books and shit. But she can she can take a recipe and truly create 
something different from it, right? And mm-hmm. but sometimes it doesn't work. So sometimes she'll add like she'll go off recipe and it won't work. But mm-hmm. that doesn't happen often and then the next time she does it, it's always amazing because it's like, you know, she went too far, she realizes her mistake and then she course corrects and and it's it's really cool, but like that is a that that's when cooking I think is also fun when you can take someone who can combine flavors that they've never read about and say, Oh, you know what this needs? This needs some sage. And they just know that it needs, you know, like, like I think that that's the kind of stuff where you're bordering probably on proficient. Um, Mm -hmm. and, ah, super interesting, man. It's, um, you know, yeah, I, I want to, I want to, I want to just like reread this book cause it's, um, I, I think, I don't know. I'm just, I'm looking at the timer. I'm going to try to yeah. bring it, bring it back to like your original. I do think that in my mind, at least where I've sort of settled, this has actually been really helpful because I, I talk about the imposter syndrome a lot, but the more I talk about it out loud, I think that my definition is if we use this model, it's when you're, you're hitting above your weight class and the longer you stay in that zone, that limbo zone where you're, you're pretending to be competent, but you're really an advanced beginner. I think maybe where my confidence comes in is I, I feel like I have the confidence that I can make up that gap if I need to, or I, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, yeah. but, well, unless you overpromise like two levels and then you're really screwed. Right. Um, yeah. and, but, but but going back to your you you made a comment that I I realized I kind of di- or I not that I disagree with but I I had like a knee jerk reaction to which is you said there's some people who might cook a thousand steaks and still feel like they're they're not competent. No, I I, I think there's people who cook a thousand steaks but they are not competent. Like to me, I think the competency is when you could break break from the recipe and you could add flair to that and you can add creativity. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I agree with you because I, I would argue that, that like those people might just lack confidence. So like confidence is not on this mix. And again, I think I got blessed with confidence. I have, you know, I don't know. I would say I well, probably it, have. It's, it's, it's not only that though. There, it's not even the confidence. It's just like an understanding. It's like you learning the multiplication table just memorizing it um, versus being able to understand the problem and problem solve. No, no, no. But okay, now I'll just go around my whole family here. I look at my mom. So my mom can, like, my my dad will cook a steak intuitively because he's cooked thousands of steaks. Mm -hmm. My mom still cooks a really good steak, but she is more on the, like, she has a system. So she'll, she'll time it and she'll turn it at four minutes and do that you know she has a very but Mm -hmm. but and i I chirp her for this and say it's it's just a lack of confidence though like you don't need that timer you it's a crutch it's a pencil it's a pencil problem Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. you could easily if your life depended on cooking a steak without that timer you absolutely could so in that case it's a confidence issue it's not a skills level she has the skills but she has a voice inside her head that's telling her it's almost the reverse of the imposter syndrome. She's actually competent, 
but the voice in her head tells her that she's an advanced beginner. Okay, so it could definitely be a confidence thing. Okay, so that, that's one, one angle of it. But the other angle is, does she fundamentally understand why she, why, why the recipe was laid out that way or why she was doing it a certain way? She probably does, but, but, yeah. but I know what you mean. Like there are situations where it, it's sort of like if you watch Lost, like the guy putting the numbers into the computer, like he doesn't know why he's doing it, but he knows that if he yeah. doesn't do it, the, the world's going to blow up or something. So yeah. you, that's a really good point. And I think that's a very dangerous place. Okay. And to your point, I think there's some people, like if you look at, I know we didn't even really talk about management, which is a super interesting thing, which we, we should cover in another, uh, maybe that'll be next yeah. week's, uh, uh, next week's topic. But I think the difference between managers and, and non-managers or, you know, even back to next week, like bosses, like Jay-Z kind of like, fuck, I'm a boss versus I'm a, I'm a worker is that there are some people who will never have the drive or the ambition for lack of a better word to go from advanced beginner to competent or, or okay. They, they won't even have the curiosity to wonder why am I doing this? Like, why am I putting this on for six minutes? Cause if they took the time to realize it, they would start mm. to be moving to those higher levels without even noticing it. So yeah, like yeah. going going back which, to which, like, which, yeah, go ahead, which, go ahead. It makes me wonder if if it's about reps or about just foundational understanding. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, it's like it's almost like the first principle. Um, it's like first principle learning. So I I literally was just talking about this with um with with programming one of the one of the things that uh, one of our developers has a great interview question for programmers. I think it's one of the best ones I've heard where it's su such a simple question for, this is for like maybe a, a front end or a full stack or even a back end web developer. He just says, Hey, describe to me what happens when somebody goes to hubba.com. Just, just talk me through what's happening. How does it go mm -hmm. from hubba.com to your, your screen? And mm -hmm. all he's looking for is, does this per and it's typically for a junior. This is like a junior. You never ask that to a senior person. This is like a junior person. So take a BitMaker uh, candidate because we get a ton of BitMaker candidates that apply to Hubba every, every day. Mm -hmm. So what he's looking for there is the curiosity where they didn't teach you that in BitMaker. But if you were really kind of curious about the craft, you would start asking questions about, hmm, like why do I have to redirect instead of like, like, like why am I redirecting a web page instead of showing it or something? Or why am I, what's a 400 versus a 200 or what's a 404 versus a 500. And mm -hmm. if, if they've taken the time to just understand how a server works and how a DNS works or how whatever works, like it just shows you their level of curiosity, which points at this person could probably learn quicker versus someone who is just following the recipe. And mm -hmm. I do think that like curiosity, I don't know. Wait, what did you say? Not I, I'm saying curiosity. You said, um, maybe it's not Cre reps. Like it's what? Or no. It's, you, it's, oh, it, it's, it's just fundamental, fundamental understanding. Yes. Yes. Like, do you have yeah. a foundational knowledge of, and, and it goes back to, I think we talked about this maybe multiple times where, I love this one interview that, that Elon Musk has 
where I think it was when he was on stage at the with Malt Wasper or Walt Mossberg and uh yeah yeah okay. Carrie, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah yeah and yeah 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 um Kara Kara Swisher that's it mm. and and you know he always kind of sounds a bit like a dick because he just makes everything sound so easy but he he kind of lays out they're like hey you know you're doing this SpaceX thing you got the Tesla thing like how the hell do you do this and his whole thing is you know I just taught myself aero he he taught himself rocket science and mm. he understands rocket science at a very fundamental level. He probably doesn't understand it as much as his PhDs that are actually building these things, but he built enough of a foundation that he can have a conversation with these people. And I love that idea of going first principles. So mm-hmm. you don't read the pop culture, you go right to the source and you mm-hmm. figure that shit out, and then it's become so much easier to stack knowledge on top of each other. Whereas if you start at the top and you try to go down, you just get this really muddled kind of, which is my big frustration with programmers. So many programmers learn React. It's like learning the, the, the topmost thing, and then you ask them a simple question about a, a server, and they don't even know that there are servers. Like They don't even know that that's what's happening. They're like, oh, isn't that... Yeah, fuck, drives so me nuts. It's, it's just like web programming, period, man. There's so much beef with web programming. Because, like, there's so much scaffolding out there that you can build a great website and not have written, like, any code. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, when I, when I, when I run my Rails bundle or whatever command, when you look at the number of gems or, like, basically, when you look at the, the, the amount of standing on shoulders you're doing now... Yeah. It's it's insane. I used to try to read the source code of every library I would include in my projects. It was just like a thing that I tried to do. Oh my god, that lasted a year because you there's just too much. You can't do it. There's too, yeah. there's too much yeah. code it's just just to get a simple you know a CRUD app to run. So yeah. it's um, but but I worry about that. I think that that that's when the AIs are going to win. Like that's when the AIs are going to write better code because if everyone, you know, if that's who it's competing against, then you shouldn't complain that the AI can write better code than you because you don't really understand how to write code. You, yeah, you understand and, how to and, just and like move know, blocks around. And it's scary because I think in a lot of cases, and we will have this whole talk, we should do another pod for like experts versus, um, or, you know, journalists versus like experts. Um, but, it, but it's, it's so true. It's like all these people who don't have kind of like first principles, understandings of things, but you are building websites. We're, we're doing a podcast. You're writing books. Like you're, it's becoming a world of journalists. Um, and it's, there's nobody who really knows what the fuck is going on. If, if you're talking about competency being that level, being that line of like, um, bullshit or not bullshit, then it, it's, everyone's becoming bullshit. Then, yeah, or, or or you run the risk of everything being, and I think we're seeing this with like journalism and with news. Everything is just the surface. There's no mm-hmm. there, there's no depth, and then if there is depth, only a really select few people even want to go that far and want to read that stuff. Yeah. Um, but but then there's also the well, yeah, man, this is a whole other. Um, cause 
uh, when it comes to programming, you could you could play devil's advocate and say, all right, so we should all be writing in assembly then. You know, like okay, yeah, no, so yeah, okay, sure. Like you want to go? Let's play this down to the core. Sure. Why doesn't everybody learn? You know, x86 assembly, and we should all be you know counting our bytes and you know no like mm-hmm. we're we're standing on the shoulders and one day maybe you can just talk to Siri and Siri will you know um not know how to call your 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 significant other but maybe you can just tell it what kind of code you want and it'll just do it um yeah. and, and is that progress maybe i don't know maybe i guess it's the type of problems people are solving and I don't know. Let's just let's let's actually save save this for, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. another pod. I think this is a whole think, other conversation. Man, I think we made some headway on this imposter syndrome stuff. Yeah, it's just it's just super interesting, and I, I kind of always just um, I always feel like I I don't know I I I'm I'm like you, man. I I generally honestly feel like I'm always an imposter. I know there's certain things I'm 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 pretty good at. I realize I'm pretty good at, or I realize that I'm like well, I I'm more of an expert than you know joe blow is and it's but i notice this especially more when i'm like hiring or interviewing people or something mm-hmm. i'm like I, i'm actually i i probably know myself a lot more than i give myself credit for right right um, but, but, but don't I you generally f- feel like an imposter but don't you find though that that's a better quality like i think we're and i and i don't do it deliberately and i think some people try to do it or they try to act like they do it deliberately but i feel like you know, to just totally cliche the hell out of this thing. It's that great Steve Jobs thing, like stay hungry, stay foolish. It's if if you're not living in that mode, you, you just, you run the risk of being obsolete or being mm-hmm. trampled or being, you know, like, um, but, but I worry though, like what you said, I think if I learned anything from today's episode, it's that we both feel like imposters I feel like I can maybe index maybe maybe too much on the confidence side, but I'm worried that you might index too much on the non-confidence side. Yeah, um, yeah. And and I think that we both feel like, oh my God, how the hell are we doing this? We have no business doing this, but I can maybe talk myself up. I don't know, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing. I think I'm at a bigger risk. I have more exposure of of failure or I could fall harder. So yeah, but I think your overconfidence will get you into bigger rooms than than maybe I will. Maybe I don't maybe. know. Maybe maybe pro, pro, pros and cons, but it, it's just interesting. Like because I I do, it's just when I talk to other people, I'm like uh, actually you don't really know what the fuck you're talking about either. And and I, and I think that that's only going to increase. Okay, we should do another whole episode on <laughs> on like ageism and if we worry about ageism in tech because we're kind of on the older end in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, cause I'd love to know your thoughts on what you just said there. Cause I feel like that too, sometimes where I'll be talking to somebody, especially on growth because there's so many fucking entrepreneurs on the growth side of things. Mm-hmm. And you know, you just talk for them for five minutes and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I, uh, I got, I, I'm, you, you're not a threat. <laughs> you know like i you're not a threat you don't know what you're talking about and and then that gives me confidence in that 10 years from now in my 40s will i still be just as desirable as to a company because won't i just be getting better at my craft and and honing that but 
Anyway, this is another episode, but so yeah, I'm very curious whole, to, yeah. to to know what you think there because I could totally see it going the other way too. Where, yeah, I can go totally the other way. Yeah, where um, you're, you're like, oh god, you're 40. Mm, sorry, this position's been filled while while we're talking. No, well, it's it, okay. Whatever. Uh, okay, it's just uh, one 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 point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, get the down. last word. I, I I think I think it just really comes down to, um, are are you discrediting this person because you just don't understand? their frame of mind in this in new environment do you think it's just, it's just like a dumb idea or do you think there's they're thinking is stupid but really this is where the world's going and you're actually dumb oh and, yeah and I, I think about this because uh it was in that in that uh in that podcast i was telling you about but they talk about like the rise of mumble rap and how lyricism is like kind of dying now and it's all about mumble rap but this is the lane that these new kids have come up with. And even though old heads are looking at it and like, this is so stupid. <laughs> like it, this it is sells. not hip hop. This is not the art, yeah. but this is where, where things are going. And even though they think it's stupid, they don't understand it. They're just getting further and further behind that eight ball. Oh man. Okay. We got to talk. This is, this is a whole episode. Cause I, if I start talking, we're going to talk for another hour. So no, we'll talk but, about this. We'll talk about managing. We'll talk about I don't remember what the other thing is, but we'll put it on the in the Google Doc. We'll, we'll put it in the show. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The real question is: I've been trying to think for like thirty seconds here. What I've now set a precedent of having some some intro music, and I can't think of a good. Is there like a good rap song about like an imposter or something? I don't know. Um... I'm not sure. I gotta think about this. Yeah, I know. Okay, maybe I won't edit oh it tonight. Maybe I'll edit it tomorrow. Dude, I I, I was thinking at some point I'm, I'm gonna I want to get get someone composed music, but you know, let's not let's not think that far right now. Oh, like like make hey, your own hey. like make your own beats and stuff. Dude, because on, on one end it's actually really nice that you manage a lot of this stuff because I'm like oh, okay cool Ken got it and we uh, this is another topic I want to talk about at some point which is like saving mental cycles and. I do this a lot now, um, which is like, I don't know. I don't want to think about something. So I'm like, hey, Alicia, why don't you just pick a restaurant? Or why don't you just pick a yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I only wear the same color underwear, same color socks. And I just, just so I don't think about it. Um, I really forgot where I was going with this, but I want to talk about that at some point. Oh, yeah, but yeah, but I know what you mean. It's like you're coming in here, you're laying down this fat track right now, and then you're like, peace, and you just head out, and then you yeah. just know that eventually yeah. it's going to show up on, on, on iTunes. Yeah, no, it's great. But the problem with me is like if I get into it, I get into it, and then I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be nitpicking over a lot of things, I'm gonna be changing a lot of things, and then, yeah, it, it's it's better if I don't. It's actually it's great that you just handle all this. No, but I think that's where we're. But you're really good at like it, honestly, if it was me, I probably would have been like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's do the podcast tomorrow. Like I probably would have been like, ah, oh, let's do it on Friday. But then something would have mm-hmm. come up Friday, and then then it would have been Saturday. And now, it, but you, you are really good at just being like, now nah, let's do it right now. And, and I think I've actually borrowed a lot of that from our conversations as we go. Like I've always been a starter, but I think you've pushed mm-hmm. me even further down the, now come on, man, I, like either do it or don't. And I think you're even better at saying, don't do it. You know, just like, no, yeah. no, don't do that. That's stupid. No, that's a pencil problem. <laughs> like stop. And you're like, fuck yeah, you're right. It is like, well, why am I, you know, but, but I fucking love pencil problems. I, but it, that, that's a problem. Like if I get into it, 
all that stuff of like, oh, let, let's get, I'll, I'll get up my buddy. He'll, he'll cut some music for us. It'll be great. And then uh, let's just do this and that. And then it's all pencil problem. It, it's, it's just better that I don't, I don't get down that rabbit hole. Wait, can I, can I, can I try an experiment right now? Yeah. Okay. I think I'm, I'm willing to try this. All right. To our five listeners. If you if you leave us a review, okay, the first three people <laughs> that rate and review our podcast on I guess iTunes or Stitcher, I think, is the only one okay, somehow you have yeah. to prove to me that you've you've I don't know, whatever. I'm just gonna say the first three people that rate our podcast, honestly, I don't care, you don't have to give it five stars. Just I wanna know if you're out there and if you're gonna rate it. Oh, but I know who's going to do it. And then I'm just, okay. Except for the two people who know who they are, I'm not going to do this for you. But the first three people who aren't Anson and Nick, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to buy you a copy of this pragmatic thinking and learning book for the first three people who leave an honest review um, on uh, about the podcast. And then, you know what? I'll take it back. I will do it for Nick and Anson. If, if they decide to leave a review also. And I'm just curious if anybody will actually do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to leave that in there. I'm just going to see what happens. <laughs> Both those people would have uh, signed off right now. But uh, maybe, maybe one, one person. All right, man.